Good to be with you all today. You know how sometimes you're having a Bible study or perhaps reading in God's Word and you come across a verse and you're like, wow, this verse is amazing, but what does it mean? Recently in a study I came across a verse like that and I want to share it with you today. The verse is in Hosea chapter 12 verse 1. And it says, Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind all day long. Ephraim feeds on the wind. Obviously, that's quite an amazing statement. The people are eating the wind. Well, what does this mean? First, Ephraim. Ephraim is the most powerful tribe of the northern kingdom. And Hosea came and preached a message of rebuke to them. And one of the problems that he mentioned that they had is that they feed on wind. Feed on wind. Of course, if you try to eat wind, you will find out that after your meal, you're still very hungry. If you don't believe me, you can have a try right now. Go and eat some wind and see how it will be. Well, obviously, we know that wind cannot sustain us. Wind cannot provide any nourishment. Your stomach will not be filled it will be just as empty as it was before. Now, I doubt that when you're little, your mother prepared a lunchbox for you and sent you to school, and you opened up your lunchbox and you thought, there's only air or wind inside. Of course not. Not only is it worthless to eat wind, but it's ridiculous. Can you imagine if your neighbor saw you go out in the yard chasing the wind, opening your mouth and trying to suck it down for your lunch or for your dinner? Can you imagine as a kid if you went to the school cafeteria and opened up your lunchbox and started eating air out of it? Well, you would be considered a fool, a mad person. You might even be taken to a mental hospital. So Hosea uses very powerful striking imagery here to describe people's futile attempts to satisfy themselves in the world. So his point is that the world provides no lasting satisfaction. The people of Ephraim, the northern kingdom, were pursuing the world with every breath that they had. And those who pursue the world instead of God are fools. God looks down on people chasing their sinful pleasures of the world as your neighbor would look at you if you went out into your front yard and started trying to eat wind. That's how absurd it looks when God looks down on us and sees us pursuing wind, pursuing the things of this world rather than him. Now the Jews in the time of Hosea had rejected God. Instead of finding fulfillment in him, they tried to find fulfillment in the world. They chased after idols. Did you ever wonder why a person would make an idol out of stone or wood and bow down and worship this idol? One reason is that the idol will never tell them, no, you shouldn't do that. The idol will never rebuke them. The idol will never correct them. The idol has no moral codes, no moral standards for which his follower to obey. And so that is one reason why people actually like to set up idols is because when they do so, they are then free to do whatever they like. They are then free to pursue the world and satisfy themselves with sinful pleasures. So the pleasures that this the people of Ephraim pursued were money, 
sex and political power. What did these things bring them? Were they satisfied by them? They brought them nothing, no contentment, no meaning, no spiritual life, no joy at all. The emptiness of their life without God is highlighted throughout the book. Now, there's another verse quite similar to this. It is in Hosea 8, 7, and it says, For they sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. The standing grain has no heads, it shall yield no flower. If it were to yield, strangers would devour it. Now, this verse is quite similar to the one we just read about eating wind. Here, Hosea uses the imagery of a farmer. The farmer is out in his fields. He gets up early. He stays up all day. He's walking up and down the fields. Reaching into his bag, he pulls out some grain. And he sows the seeds into the field. That's what you would expect a farmer to do, right? But no, this farmer doesn't have anything in his bag. It's empty. So he reaches into his empty bag, takes out emptiness, wind, into his hand, and just goes like this through his field. Now imagine if you were watching a farmer like that for a while. What would enter your mind? What would you think? You'd probably think, hello, he's crazy. What is he doing? Does he have a mental problem? Thousands of farmers get up and they go and they actually sow real seeds. But no one is foolish enough to go sow wind into the soil. But actually, that is what people are doing all the time when they are seeking after satisfaction without God in their life. They are wasting their time. So this farmer, it says that he will sow wind and he will reap a whirlwind. What will he get back? What would you expect a farmer to get if he's sowing wind into the ground? Well, you would expect that he would reap nothing, right? There will be no crops. Nothing is going to grow out. He might go out there to the field day after day, looking, waiting, expecting, hoping to see something grow up, and then there will be nothing there. He will be disappointed. This is the life of a person without a relationship with Jesus. The story of this crazy farmer Sowing wind repeats itself billions of times across the world every single day. People get up, they go to work, they toil, they sweat, they strive. They're chasing after the pleasures of the world to buy the seed that the world offers. But after a lifetime of sowing, they will see that the seed they were peddling was worthless. The seed was worthless. People are chasing after the world. They're trying to get satisfaction in what the world has to offer, but they're ending up emptier than they were at the beginning. King Solomon also talked about this in Ecclesiastes 1.14. He says, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. 
all is vanity and striving after the wind. Solomon is describing a worldly person who tries to find satisfaction and meaning in this life. But the world cannot offer it. Apart from Christ, there's none to be had. Now, at the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. God created people. And he created people with a need, a spiritual need to have a relationship with him. That is a need that only God can satisfy. There is a a void, an emptiness in our heart that only he can satisfy. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, they became separated from God. And their relationship with God was torn asunder. Isaiah says that our iniquities have made a separation between us and God. So that void is there in our hearts. People try to fill it. They try to fill it to make themselves happy. Now, a lot of people will tell you and they will say, I'm not religious. But in fact, every civilization in history is religious. People seek to create gods to worship and follow. Maybe they call them a god or maybe they don't. But people are basically spiritual. They have a spiritual craving. The problem is that our sin nature pushes us to look for that satisfaction somewhere besides God. Somewhere besides God. And so people try to fill this void with all kinds of things. Many of them Solomon talked about in the book of Ecclesiastes. Sex, relationships, money, drugs, achievement, power. These are just a few of the things that people try to satisfy themselves with. Nowadays, a lot of people go in for yoga and new agey stuff and meditations, and they're trying to find the deeper meaning of life. But they're failing because they are looking in the wrong place. They are chasing after the wind. Now, Satan and the world continuously make big promises. Satan is the master of making promises, and people fall for it. Pursuing the world energetically, they seek to fill up the emptiness inside them with the best that the world has to offer. They believe these promises, these lies, but none of these things provide lasting satisfaction. The more they pursue them, the thicker the chains and the heavier the guilt they experience. Having eaten when their entire life, they find out they're hungrier than ever before. Meanwhile, Satan and the world, the wind salesmen, are going their way laughing. They promise again and again how nutritious and how tasty the wind will be. How it's cheap and nutritious and enjoyable. But then they are the ones who get the last laugh. Now, after I read this verse... I often think about how do I bring the Bible to my children in a way that they can understand. And so I thought this is a, a very fun and interesting verse that teaches us a very deep and important spiritual principle. So my wife and I decided to teach our kids an object lesson. We set the table for breakfast. We had the plates and the silverware and the cups and everything there. And then we invited our children to come and eat a nice breakfast. And they came and sat down. And we said, let's eat. But there was no food on the table. We said, it's okay, you can eat the wind. 
Well, some of my kids thought it was funny. My four-year-old daughter was quite sad and said, Where's the real food, Daddy? So we sat around with empty dishes just, just for a moment, and we explained to them the folly of chasing after the things of the world. And we talked about the emptiness that it offered. So that's the first part of this story, is that the world cannot fulfill our spiritual needs. But then where do we go? Where do we find this satisfaction? Well, the answer is in John 6.35 from the words of Jesus. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. Here he makes a big promise. He promises to satisfy your spiritual hunger if you will come to him. He can fill that void inside of you and give us true meaning, joy, and contentment. Now Jesus often made a claim like this and right before or right after he made the claim, he would often do a miracle to validate what he was saying. And this was no exception. Right before he said he's the bread of life was the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus fed 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish. The point he made was perfectly clear. Jesus can take care of our physical needs. And he can also take care of our spiritual needs. So after talking about this verse, Jesus is the bread of life with our children we brought out the real breakfast. We had a delicious feast of blueberry pancakes. Now, the object lesson we wanted to teach our kids was very simple. The world offers nothing. Those who pursue it are chasing after the wind. But the one who comes to Jesus will be fed and will be full. So, as we get ready to end this short Bible study today, I want you to think about how to apply this. Where are you seeking satisfaction from? Are you chasing after the world or are you energetically following after Jesus? Spend some time to evaluate your own life and if necessary, confess and reset your focus on Christ alone to satisfy you. Now, if you're a parent who is joining this lesson today, then I would encourage you, perhaps you can try this object lesson with your own kids. You need to be finding more creative and interesting ways to bring the Bible to your children so they can understand it and remember it in a practical way. One reason that many kids are not interested in the Bible is because of perhaps they think it is boring. So we can make it more interesting to them as we teach them God's word. Second, make sure that you are teaching your kids God's word on a regular basis. Be feeding them spiritual food, nourishment from God's word. So you, your family, and your children must not be chasing after the wind, but eat from the solid teaching of God's word, and you will get nutrition from it day by day. To see our entire library of over 800 Bible studies, please visit our website at www.studyandobey.com.